Hello and welcome to the rugby show here on the 42.ie. Winter is here, which can only mean one thing. The Autumn Internationals are upon us. Uh, we've got uh, the box back in town, a little bit of argy-bargy in Dublin and something about Fiji as well. I think the prompter is broken there, lads. Uh, well, let's call it the O'Halpine Derby. My name is Gavin Casey and I'm delighted to be joined here in General Studios by Johnny Murphy. Johnny Hellstrick. Good, good. Thanks for having me. Are you looking forward to these three tests, Johnny? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, I think they're probably in an important kind of development stage of a two-year program that leads into the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully there's some new new faces in, in amongst the squad and hopefully see some game time over the next three weeks. Yeah, we'll look ahead to uh, all three tests, particularly South Africa this weekend. Uh, but I suppose there's kind of one place to start, given the discourse during the week. Every panel show in Ireland is discussing one of two things. Uh, there is, of course, middle-aged men worried about their masculinity, and there is also the Bondiaki saga, as it might become. Uh, listen, this is it's well discussed. I know you have your own views on it. Um, there's nothing really you can change here, I suppose, like in terms of debating it and, and going back and forth and RT or wherever. I think it's just time to get on with it now, let them play. This is the way it works. Yeah, exactly. You know, one, uh, one of the lads I used to play with, Jim Hamilton, back in uh, Leicester, had a, a phrase, rules is rules. And that's what they're doing. They're Dennis playing the within rules. the rules. And, you know, do I, do I personally agree with it? Um, I don't. I, my personal view is I don't think anyone should play for a country unless they have a passport for that country. That's probably what's going to happen in the you know in the future under the new change. Mm. That's my belief. Um, but are they doing anything wrong by picking the guys that are there and getting them nationalised? No, they're playing within the rules. Everyone is doing it, um, probably bar Argentina, and for different different varying levels, it's. They, everyone's playing within the rules, so get on with it, you know. And at the end of the day, he's going to be playing for, um, you know, putting on a green jersey. We're going to be there on Saturday, and we're going to be supporting him. We hope he does well, and that's 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 the thing for me, you know. He is now like it or lump it. He is an Irish rugby player, and we get on with it. Yeah, that's the thing, and I suppose like for, for look for a lot of the people who are against the idea, they'll always be against the idea. I know from my own personal perspective. Being a Monster fan and watching CJ Sander over the last couple of years and watching him line out for Ireland, you become used to it very quickly when the player himself buys into the culture and the team culture, I suppose. And you know, you see CJ singing the anthem or whatever, and some people might think, well, it's gimmicky, but at least he's making an effort, you know what I mean? And I think it, it will be the same with Aki, particularly if he brings uh, decent club form to the green jersey. Yeah, and that's massive. You know, once you have buy in from a player um, and the lads see that, um, then he is included within the group and he is taken in like any other new player within the group you know whereas he spoke he, he did an interview I think on Monday or Tuesday and he said they're all being you know everyone is you know he's being slagged which means he's already part of the group and th and that's the way it is within rugby circles so yeah look now it is if he gets the nod and the likelihood I think he probably will is let's support him and let's make sure he play he, play, he puts his best foot forward on Saturday. Yeah, look, as we said, this has been like well discussed, well debated at this stage. I suppose there is a sort of a, an issue regarding like maybe the I don't know the sanctity of of international rugby. Hopefully, we will move away from that with the new rule in a couple of years' time. But you've been in the position yourself where if you're a player growing up in a country, I know Fitzgerald has spoken about it at length as well. Um, you're in good form. You might be on the fringes of squad selection, and then suddenly, in your case, it was Jared Payne. Not to throw him under the bus. It's not his fault. You know what I mean? Again, rules are the rules. But from the Irish player's perspective, or the indigenous player, if you want to say that, 
it obviously is disappointing, frustrating, I guess, is it? Yeah, it is. Of course it is. It's frustrating. You grow up wanting to play for uh, your country and everyone's dream is to get capped. And that's, you know, th that's it. But it's disappointing and you live to, you know, you get on with it. You know, you, you can't, um, you know, you hold a gr you can't hold a grudge. As I said, they're the rules. So, you know, it's the same for every uh, every nation in, in rugby and that's it. Yes, you may be disappointed and, you know, there is different people saying, OK, well, a 50-50 call, the home go a homegrown guy should should get the nod. Yeah, but w sport is the one, one thing, in my opinion, that everything should be equal. So if a guy qualifies to play for a country through residency rules, through grandparent rules, the best player should play at that time. That's my rules. It's it's bigger than the, than race. It's bigger than everything. It is basically sport. Is the best person should always play. That's mm. my opinion. And if someone qualifies for different reasons to play for a country, then whether you agree with it or not, that's fine. That's your opinion. But they're the rules. And then it should come down to the best person should play. Yeah, big time. It's uh, hard to disagree with that. I suppose lumped in with this issue, even though it is a separate one in itself, is uh, the Simon Zero thing. Ah, look, like, I mean, he, he had a, a good game against the Dragons at the weekend, and I think um, he's probably in line to have a fine finish of the season for Munster because it will be this prolonged farewell, as we've yeah. seen work out for a couple of players over the years. Uh, like, I, I think a lot of people are, are discussing the two. I mean, I, I even at the time tweeted myself going, like, it's a bit, it would make you feel a little bit uncomfortable looking at Aki for the last couple of years, and he really didn't voice any interest in uh, playing for Ireland. Now, granted, that might have been a case of, well, I don't qualify yet, so I'm not going to speak uh, yeah. about my rank or whatever. But for Zebo, he, like, you know, he loves playing for his country, you know, he loves playing for his province, even though he's leaving them. He said for a long time he was going to move to France, it was all always a dream of his. Um, but at the same time, I suppose, look, he knew what he was doing. He knew Again, he knew the rules or he knew the likelihood was he wasn't going to play for Ireland if he moved away. And he made that call. Do you consider him unfortunate? Like, is there a way that this can be improved? Or is it simply a case that the provinces and their best players must be protected? Um, yeah, look, to me, um, you know, I've been in that position. I, I, I played over in England. Um, and you are essentially out of sight, out of mind. Uh, my thing on this is that same best players should play for Ireland at that time I don't I don't particularly see wherever they play should should come against them um, Joe is obviously uh, drawing a line in the sand here saying okay you go then you don't play um, if he has drawn that line in the sand well that line in the sand applies for everyone and not like previous times for Johnny and it doesn't ap apply for someone else um, like his Schmidt's rationale regarding sexing was interesting. Like he said, "Well, I was new to the job. He was by far the standout player. It was it was almost an admission that actually I badly needed him. Like I was just in the door here, so to not play him, I was going to be starting, you know, six yards behind where I would have been anyway." Um, Zebo obviously hasn't reached that sort of status within the Irish squad. There are plenty of players that, that can come in and, and do a decent job in his role. Also, hasn't always been in favour with Schmidt anyway. I guess. Yeah, but I I, I don't. Personally, think that there's anyone that has the spark that that, that Simon has, um, and I don't think anyone in Irish rugby has that uh, that kind of flair to a certain extent. Um, he is a bit of a maverick. Um, I suppose call him an enigma if you want. He can be incredible, and he has the moments where he tries something that's not on and it doesn't come off. But you look at how he plays, and the majority of the time when he tries something, it does come off. Um, 
he has learned to play within a Joe structure, uh, a, a Joe Smith structure, which he struggled with probably at the start. Um, and it was probably it has been documented that yeah he had to find his feet and uh, and find where his role was within that. But you've seen over his form over the last two years for Ireland has been excellent, and he and I think losing s- someone of Simon's stature and quality does just drop them down. Yes, the back three is a highly competitive area and we have guys lining up and they're all playing very well. Yeah, fine. But to lose someone of the spark of Simon that can just ignite a game in a split second um, is is unfor- you know, is disappointing for, for, from my perspective. But, again, Joe has, has drawn the line in the sand here now and they're obviously the rules that he's going to play within and so... So that's it. We get on with it. You know, Simon, as you said, not knew exactly the likelihood this was coming down, coming down the line, and you know, he too will get on with it. I'm unsure. You know, knowing knowing Simon, you know, he's a quite a laid back character. He'll he's going to enjoy this week, spend the time with his family, and at the end of the day, this opportunity has given him to make a difference for his family's life, not just after he finishes rugby and for the three four years after rugby, but for the for foreseeable future when he retires so yeah you know good on him would be my my thing but disappointing that you know he, he might not be seen in the green jersey again yeah well look we'll, we'll have to see if he does come back maybe he'll only do a two-year stint or something like that from the IRFU's perspective uh, I suppose it, Schmidt's policy like it makes sense from their point of view like again Zebra going, it's a big loss to Munster. And I know Conor Murray came out, say, recently, and he admitted, yeah, it would turn your head a little bit, looking mm-hmm. at the, the money he's going to be earning. I know, for example, Peter Romani has turned down two or three offers from France over the last few years. I think maybe more so before the World Cup. Uh, the captaincy of Munster was very important to him and playing for his country. But if you were to be, like, if you were available for selection while playing abroad, I'm not sure if we'd see necessarily the mass exodus that, that is feared, but certainly money talks. I mean, as you said yourself, players have families to look after, and it can be a short career, as you found out mm. to your detriment. You know, like, so is it the right policy in order to make sure that the provinces are playing to the best of their ability and retaining these top talents? Or is there any other way around it? For example, the Welsh system, the South African system, we'll talk about South Africa in a minute. Um, I... I think it comes down to control at the end of the day. Um, it comes down to the amount of games that lads are allowed to play, and that you know during a Six Nations, or you know if say for instance it was this time next year and Simon was in the squad, he would have to, he wouldn't be able to train last week. He would have to go back to his uh, back to Paris play. You know, have played last weekend. There are different rules and regulations when you play abroad. You know, there's IRB. I think it's uh, law. Um, Article 9, where you can only train for your uh, and play for your country in certain windows. Mm. So, Joe has all these training camps that are outside of Article 9, so players don't have to be released um, by their clubs if they're not in Ireland. And that that's basically what it comes down to. You saw what happened, Johnny, when he, he went. He certainly suffered from a physical point of view in terms of his bumps and lumps and the amount of game time that they wanted him to play. So, that's probably why it's just a control issue more so than anything else but then if you can get those deals i know when tommy was tommy bow was over in ospreys you know the ospreys had a separate deal with uh, the rfu that tommy was going to be released 
exactly as the Welsh players were. You know, so if you get coaches that are receptive to an agreement like that, then yeah, you know, I, I'm sure there are coaches certainly in the Premiership. It might be a small bit different in France, but th there surely are coaches and. All it is at the end of the day is a conversation. You know, it's Joe picking up the phone to, you know, Lauren Leby and, and Raj and saying, look, what, what are the chances here? Is he going to be released? And if it's just a no, well, then look, there's nothing's come of it. It's a conversation at the end of the day. So I just think that there probably needs to be a small bit more open mindedness towards that and seeing if they can build up those relationships. But if they can't, then yeah, you know, I think players do enjoy their time off, do enjoy. Um, you know they're, that they are being looked after and they're under an SNC program, and I think that is probably not necessarily the growth of the provincial game, but certainly the Irish game. Yeah, big time. Well, let's look ahead to uh, these tests then. We've got a couple of questions, actually. We might start off with a nice one here from Paul Tierney. Guys, just wondering, watching South Africa play very well against New Zealand early this year, what kind of game will Ireland try to play, do you think? Personally, I think it should be a territory game, and Sexton using his kicking game to the fore. That's an interesting one from uh, Paul. I was thinking recently, like, uh, the way the game has changed now recently, a territorial game means, I suppose, kicking the ball into the air and chasing it as opposed to pinning teams back into the corner, as we might have seen 10, 12 years ago. Is that the way Ireland should approach this one? Um, I suppose an aerial bombardment, for want of a better description. Yeah, well, I think when you can... I, I think, you know, South Africa are probably where they lack uh, in their units will probably be the halfbacks nine and ten and then probably their back three so Fury Dupree is like they haven't really replaced him at nine I suppose in the last couple of years no and I, and I think that's probably something that, that can be targeted um, you know if Johnny and Connor can get a foothold in the game and control the territory control um, you know control the tempo of the game but also being accurate in their kicks I think Ireland's back three and it's certainly something that probably Felix Jones has brought in Dana Munster and is now going out throughout the whole provinces is winning those attacking kicks and winning that aerial battle um, the back three can be very can be questionable at times for South Africa so if they can get a foothold in the game in those areas and people think oh well it might be a small bit boring but if you get a uh, an, an aerial win just outside, just inside the opposition half, they're all at sea. They mm. have nearly probably 13, uh, 13 defenders in front of the ball. They all have to retreat. Ireland are on the front foot automatically. So I think that is something that you probably are going to see. And Ireland now have the players that can win those aerial battles. And it certainly is a unit that needs to get on top of their, uh, of their opposition unit. And I think probably <coughs> can be easily done this weekend. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned the back three. There's certainly some exciting options there for Ireland at the moment. Uh, there's a question here from Mark Chappie O'Connell. Well, Johnny, do you think Joe will blood some younger players against the box or is it more about getting a result? This is always the one where, I mean, you'll see football fans joking about how test matches are friendlies. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, make a DVD about that one. At the same time, I suppose the whole point of a test really is to, it's some sort of a combination of performance and getting results and also blooding youth or at least new players. How do you think Schmidt will approach this? Are we looking at, you know, roughly the same team that line out in the Six Nations? Um, I'd say probably, but I, I think there are probably going to be a couple of new caps this weekend, but you probably look at Aki for one and then, you know, you look at Jacob Stockdale. I know he was capped during the summer uh, in Japan, but I think he's someone that probably needs to be thrown in the melting pot in a big game like this to see where he's going to be in Six Nations time 
and for me that's probably where those those combinations and those changes are going to be Andrew Conway is going to be in the mix Andrew's played Six Nations and has played those high intensity games before so he's been there um, so it might be a toss up between himself and Stockdale for one of the wing spots and then the other person on the bench but I certainly think that for you know, I wouldn't call Aki an inexperienced player. He's won a, you know, he's won a, a, a Super Rugby title. He's won a Pro 12. He's been one of the main guys in, you know, in the provincial game for the last three years. So, you know, throwing him into the melting pot, you're less worried about him. Where Stockdale is probably, you know, he's a 21, 22 year old kid that's played in the those big European occasions now. Got his caps during the summer against a, an average Japan side, and throwing him in there. That's probably where you're you know where your inexperience is going to be but his form has dictated that he's good enough to play so I would be for one probably throwing him in there and seeing uh, seeing how he gets on. Yeah I personally agree with that I know we had Eddie O'Sullivan on recently and we were talking about I think it was ahead of Ulster's trip to La Rochelle and it was just shocking to us that Stockdale had been moved to the bench and they'd gone with the sort of more experienced option because as Eddie was saying like he might be the most exciting outside back in Ireland at the moment Jacob Stockdale in terms in terms of form in terms of raw ability as well and I you you reckon it should just be a case of throw him in there and see what he can do and that, like a baptism of fire of sorts yeah well, well yeah I, I think so I think how are we going to find out how he's going to be in those pressured situations you know there's possibly one injury away from he's a guaranteed starter in the Six Nations on form so if he only plays uh, you know a game against Fiji and doesn't play then you know the following week is he finding out then where where he's at where you throw him in this weekend and you know you'd back him to you know one on one against his opposition number in the South African back three you know it is a unit where we would very much fancy ourselves being on top for the majority of the game so yeah it's a great opportunity to give someone like that throw him in the melting pot and hopefully he is, he is going to have mistakes but it's how he deals with them and comes back stronger I think that's probably where where you find out exactly what he's made of I think he if he starts he's going to show how good he can be and keep developing. Look at Gary Ringrose, you know, Joey Carberry, those guys, they were thrown in last year. They now are guys that are um, experienced and can lead a team to to big victories, you know, like Joey Carberry did last year in mm. Soldier Field. Absolutely. Uh, there's a comment here from Fred Sharkey, just going back to Simon Zebo. If Zebo wants to leave, then let him. He's made his own choice and he's known the consequences. Why keep a spot for him in the squad when it could help develop up-and-coming players? But on the off chance that Ireland are badly stuck, they should <laughs> they should then call Zebo back. Maybe he'll be our best weapon yet. So, uh, fairly magnanimous from Fred Sharkey <laughs> there. Uh, let's look at South Africa then, Johnny, because obviously, um, as I think it was Paul Tierney was saying, they had one extremely good performance against New Zealand, one where they were absolutely hockeyed it's hard to know what to make of them at the moment they're definitely a team in flux but they also te seem to be a team that have been in that sort of situation now for nearly three or four years yeah I think their form is probably artificial if you look at that game you look at the circumstances of of the, of, of that match um, New Zealand had won the rugby championship already they had travelled from Argentina uh, uh, down to South Africa so it was a long they were you know they probably enjoyed themselves while they in Argent Argentina and then it was just probably there was one where they didn't have their great game they were without four or five probably out and out starters so it's yes it was a good performance from South Africa but I would be unsure 
how good that form is given what has happened as you say over the last possibly two or three years um, so yeah look I think what they are going to bring is what South Africa always bring and that is a massive physical battle up front I think for Ireland to get um, to have a convincing I think they're going to win this weekend but I think for them to have a convincing win they need to get parity up front and then uh, if they manage to get dominance up there, I think they they will have a good day and possibly an easy day at that. I'd be, I'm just a bit wary of where the South African side is. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty around Kurtziak and you know with Rassi and Jack going back there, where he finds his role. I was listening to a. Uh, a South African journalist over the last couple of days and he was saying that there's already been a few shots fired in Rassi's direction from Kutsia so you just don't know how that dynamic so there is going to be a small bit of uncertainty in the background mm. and if that can if that manifests itself within the group it can lead itself to coming out at game time as well yeah, and it's also, I suppose, a weird uh, position for the players to be in and also, as you mentioned, uh, Kutsia in that you're sort of just waiting now for that for that revolution that Razi is supposed to be bringing, and you know how do you what are you doing? Are you just playing for your own place in the team at this point? Because obviously you realise that after this series there are going to be plenty of wholesale changes to um, to both probably approach and personnel. It's kind of like you're you're caught in no man's land this winter if you're a South African rugby player. Yeah, and some guys will already have probably a relationship with Rassi from his Super Rugby days, and and I would have you know been underneath them uh, a couple of times before. So they might be just really looking forward to it and going, I can't wait to, you know, I can't wait for him to get here and just want these three games out of the way. Yeah. There's some other guys that might have never sampled Rassi and been like, okay, right, well I need to put my best foot forward here because he is going to be uh, watching all these games he's going to be deciding on what way we want to play next year he is at the, his own start of a two year cycle leading up to the World Cup so yeah there's just going to be varying for me I think there's going to be varying levels of interest from certain people in terms of okay I know I'm going to be here I just need to get these three games over and, and get on with it but then you know there is South Africans are have, have a lot of pride in their jersey so I'd say they're wounded over the last two or three years and there might also be a, a sense that they're really looking forward to Rassi coming in and, and that could liberate, uh, them, liberate them a small bit but look I, I just think that if Ireland can weather the physical storm that's going to be thrown at the pack I think they just have too much in reserve certainly in the back three and certainly at half backs that they should be well able to control the game Yeah, uh, you mentioned the World Cup cycle we're, t we're two years out now where are Ireland at and like what are they looking to achieve I suppose this winter um, it, it seems as though if you were t looking to sort of change things up in terms of style of play which I don't think Schmidt is necessarily but even tweaking things you, probably two years out you, you need to start playing the plan I guess uh, w with the World Cup in mind so is it like from a head coach's perspective like are you looking at this series and thinking 2019 that's what I'm really thinking about or no, I think you know Joe is is too smart an operator to be uh, to catch himself just looking towards 
219. He is, um, from all the reports of lads that have worked under him for a long time, he is uh, an extremely intelligent man that puts in these plans and structures that can be brought through for years and years. And I think you look at the guys that were brought in last week, there were six or seven Irish under-20s named last week that were brought in to train with the squad while some of the Ulster boys were away over in South Africa. So he is already putting in a progression plan there of guys that would sample a session, know what's coming forward. And all he needs is one of those seven guys. And that training session or that training week last week has been worth it because they've sampled it once. They know what's expected and they, they can bring it forward. Mm. So I, I, I think Joe is also... He's a results man. He wants to win every game. He's an extremely competitive individual and he is going to make sure that guys know that Ireland need to win and they need to build. They want, I think they have capability of going 3-0 in this, in, this, in this series, which would lend itself to a Six Nations, um, a really good Six Nations campaign. But all the time, Joe was going to have it in the guy's mind that... 219 if we can build a form up now over two years then we can go there with a huge amount of confidence and get that monkey of a semi-final off our back so he is going to do it in his way and 95% of the time Joe was right so you have to trust in what he's trying to do and his progression plan going forward yeah let's hope he is right this weekend Johnny it's been a pleasure thanks a million cheers thank you very much for having me we will be back for close calls on Friday looking ahead to the round ball game Ireland's playoff with Denmark uh, until then have a good week and uh, yeah cheers chat to you then